Welcome to Tough Cookie Talks. I'm your host, Jenna Josephowski, but you can call me Jenna J. I'm a semi-retired professional dancer, dance teacher and yoga teacher, turned certified personal trainer and kettlebell instructor who helps active women learn to lift and get strong with equal parts challenge and compassion. After years of working in the fitness industry, I got sick and tired of watching people, including myself, run themselves into the ground trying to uphold the narrow-minded image of what our culture sees as healthy and fit. But instead of giving it all up, I decided that I'd rather change the game, call out the BS, extract the good, and help others learn to use movement as a way to build themselves up rather than tear themselves down. On this podcast, we'll explore the intersection of fitness and anti-diet culture and all the gray areas in between. We'll let go of shoulds and judgment and dig into tough conversations with curiosity. Things get pretty spicy around here. So grab your headphones and let's do this. Hey friends, welcome to episode 10 of Tough Cookie Talks. As I'm recording this today, we're getting pretty close to Valentine's Day. And as much as I'm like, eh, not really into the Hallmark holidays, I do love a good excuse to have a theme for a show. And so today we're going to be talking about your relationship with exercise and specifically how to know if you're not in such a good one. And I have to laugh as I go to record this. If any of my friends are listening, they probably know I have historically been that friend who, if you come to me for advice on your relationship, I'm immediately like, you need to break up with them. They're no good. You can do so much better. And, <laughs> oh, wow. I'm, I'm laughing thinking about some of the stuff that I've said to my friends because it's very much my personality. And I feel like that has carried over a lot into the way that I approach talking to people about their relationship to exercise and how that's come into play in my coaching, particularly as my views have evolved and particularly knowing the place that I came from. So we're going to hit this up from two angles today. One of them being some of the behaviors that you might find yourself exhibiting when it comes to exercise and how some of those things might actually be doing you more harm than good. And also how things that society sometimes sees as being a virtue are actually potentially the opposite of healthy. And then after we talk about that, we're going to talk about where this comes from because we don't necessarily just do these things because that's what we do and it's an us problem it's a larger problem on a bigger scale. And a lot of that comes from the fitness industry, the messages that we hear in advertising, the stuff that we hear from trainers that we work with, that we follow group fitness instructors, all of this comes into play. So as I go into this, a couple things to keep in mind. Number one, everything that I talk about here, whether it is a behavior or something that the fitness industry does, know that I have probably done that in the past to some degree or another. So if you find yourself hearing these things and feeling a little shameful, there's no need to do that. We've all been there. My hope today is that this episode will help you to start to learn better, to start to see how these things are maybe not helping you, and then ultimately figure out a way that you can do better. Because truthfully, your relationship with exercise is something that you're going to be with for 
your entire life or as long as you choose to move or not move kind of comes with you. So in any case, here we go. First thing that I want to talk about is some of the behaviors that some of us exhibit around exercise that might be more harmful than good. Because as I mentioned just a minute ago, being committed to a fitness routine is often seen as a virtue. It's something that we're praised for if we do a lot. We're praised for having discipline, for having a good work ethic. And then in some cases we think to ourselves, oh, well, if something is good, then more must be better, right? And this can be a really slippery slope because this can help us start to dip into an all or nothing sort of mindset. Even more so if you're somebody who struggles with body image and you feel like you might be using exercise as a way to control the shape and size of your body. So a couple of things to look out for within yourself. Number one, you feel the need to adhere to a specific routine day after day, and you feel like you're, you feel that your workout doesn't count if you didn't exercise for a certain amount of time or burn a set amount of calories or complete specific exercises. Number two, you never ever take a day off or you rarely do. And if you're forced to take a day off or have to because you're sick or injured or traveling or whatever, you feel extremely guilty or anxious or irritable. Number three, you feel the need to turn your workouts and food intake into a math equation at all times. So particularly, this is the needing to work out so that you can quote unquote, earn more calories to eat later. And sometimes this isn't necessarily in the form of calories. This could be obsessing about something like macros and being like, oh, I ate too many carbs and -and so-and-so says that I need to go do cardio now or whatever the case may be, or like I didn't get enough steps in today, so I'm gonna go climb up and down the stairs of my apartment a couple dozen times so that I can close my rings or get my steps or whatever the case may be. So there's that. Number four, you pull two a day or multiple in a day workouts, particularly ones that don't make logical sense. So I'm not saying that doing multiple kinds of movement in one day are necessarily a bad thing. Some of these things can coincide, particularly if you are somebody who loves a variety of different movement styles or if you have some activities that are kind of baked into your life or your job, or you're at a season of your life when you are an athlete or a performer or doing something that requires you to train in addition to that activity. So an example might be like taking a yoga class or doing some stretching after you go for a run. Those things kind of complement each other and make sense. Or if you decide that you're going to ride your bike to take a dance class because it's close to your house and the weather's nice. Or like I said, if you're an athlete and you're doing some cross training to complement your sport. For example, if you're a dancer like I am and you're also adding in some strategic strength training that helps you with your dancing. So those are some examples of ways that it might be okay to do multiple kinds of movement, multiple quote unquote workouts or activities in a day. 
But if you're somebody who is taking double dips of the same kind of fitness class, for example, or doing a second workout, even though you're spent from the first one, it might be worth re-examining your motives for doing so. And I want to elaborate on this one for a little bit because I must admit that as a group fitness instructor in the past, I was 100% guilty of perpetuating this idea, especially if the studio that I taught at was promoting some sort of challenge, try to get X amount of classes in a month, and I would say things like, well, come on, you can just, you know, double up, take this class, and then you can take my class right after it a second time, even though they were very similar classes and very similar movements. Perhaps not the healthiest choice for a lot of us. Something to think about. Number five, you severely sacrifice sleep to get your workout in. So this is, and I talk about this often, the idea of setting your alarm to get up after five hours of sleep to get to your 6 a.m. spin class. This is another one that I used to perpetuate and ultimately to my own demise, sometimes get sick for and perhaps encourage other people to do the same. A lot of people are praised for doing early morning workouts, like you're somehow morally better than other people if you get up at six in the morning to go to spin class. Well, spoiler alert, you're not, nobody is. But second of all, that time of the day isn't necessarily better than any other time of day. Like if you choose to do something at noon, that doesn't mean you're lazy. In fact, it's probably better because when you deprive yourself of sleep, you're missing out on that very health promoting behavior that is so underrated and also probably skimping on your recovery from past workouts. Sleep comes first. And that's why I will always celebrate my clients who decided that they were going to skip their workouts because they weren't rested enough. Sleep is so valuable. So if you find yourself skimping out on that, maybe something to get curious about and ask yourself why you're doing that. Next one. Ooh, you find yourself lying about your workout schedule because deep down you kind of know that your habits are a little extreme and your family and friends would be concerned if they actually knew what you were doing. Anybody ever done that before? I feel like I definitely did. I feel like I definitely did. Um, keep this in mind. If you don't feel comfortable telling somebody exactly how many things you're doing, like, oh, I'm just going to go to the gym for three hours. Something to consider. Number seven, kind of tying in with that last one, your workout schedule is causing you to miss out on your life. So you're maybe missing out on holidays or social events because the thought of skipping out on the gym is giving you way too much anxiety. I know people who have been there before. I've definitely been this person as well. Going along with that, you exercise no matter how sick or injured you might be. This is the hashtag no excuses. This is not necessarily good. And 
I also think that there's a little bit of gray area in here because if you listen to some of my previous episodes, I can't remember specifically which one, but I was talking about that, yes, if you're injured, sometimes movement can be valuable and there are ways that you can work around and with those things and use movement as something that helps you to recover. I've talked about how physical therapy is essentially strength training, which can be helpful when dosed appropriately. I've also talked about how it's possible if you're injured to do exercises that incorporate the wide variety of body parts on you that are not injured. Okay. So that's not what I'm talking about here. What I am talking about is insisting on continuing to run, even though you know that you have a stress fracture or I don't know, continuing to insist on doing push-ups in your group fitness class, even though you tweaked your shoulder the other day. So exercising, no matter how sick or injured you might be, could potentially be problematic in a lot of cases. Not every time, but most of the time, particularly when you're sick. Next one, you do exercise that you absolutely hate, not love hate, because there's a difference there, uh, because you think they are the only effective ones and you fear weight, fear weight. Wow. I can't say words. Words are so hard. <laughs> you fear what might happen to you if you do not do them. Now, I'm not saying that you have to love every single exercise that you do. There are plenty of exercises that you might choose to do that you see the value in them even though they're not your favorite. For example, I think of lunges for myself, not particularly my favorite thing, but I'll do them because they help me do other things that I enjoy. What I'm talking about is picking something, for example, like the Stairmaster escalator thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? You might love that. And if you do, that's great. That was always my least favorite, my least favorite favorite piece of cardio equipment. And I used to slave on it because it was the hardest thing and helped me to supposedly burn more calories, I guess. But in reality, if I would have looked a little closer, number one, there are plenty of other ways that I could have accomplished a goal of getting some cardio in that I didn't hate as much. And also it would have been just fine if I didn't burn like 20 more calories on that machine. So pay attention to that because you shouldn't have to do things that you completely hate in fear of what might happen to your body if you didn't do them. You have to do more and more and more to maintain your current shape and size, or you find yourself gaining weight in spite of your consistent compliance, quote unquote, with your workout routine. Because here's the deal. We weren't all meant to be skinny. We weren't all meant to look like fitness models. And a lot of times people will come back at you and be like, well, calories in, calories out. It's the law of thermogenics and science. But here's the deal. Bodies are a lot more complicated than that. And biology is a lot more complicated that, than that. And what happens specifically for a lot of women of reproductive age is that when you are really pushing hard 
to try to maintain a certain shape or size, the one that society shows all the time in the media that means you're like, quote unquote, fit. Your body gets to a point where if you're not meant to look like that, it starts fighting back. You might find that your metabolism starts to slow down a little bit, that your hormones get out of balance. This is a case for many people, myself included, who might find themselves with some thyroid dysfunction as a result of over-exercising and under-eating. This is where you hear about women who have periods, people who have periods, having hypothalamic amenorrhea, losing their period as a result of over-exercising and under-eating. And when this happens, you find yourself having to do more and more to maintain. That's something to look at. That's something to be aware of, to ask yourself, why is my body fighting this? Am I doing too much? Last one that I've got for here. Instead of making you feel strong and energized, your current fitness routine leaves you feeling fatigued and drained. You find yourself getting sick more often. You find yourself getting injured as you continue to do those things. That's something to be aware of. Workouts that like kick your ass can be really fun and they can have a time and place when you also have adequate recovery in place, hydration, sleep, restorative activities, food, things that fill you back up. But if you find that you're constantly fatigued and drained and getting to the gym, getting your workout in feels like a physical drag all of the time, something else to look at. You might be in a bad relationship with exercise. And as I talk about these things, get curious. If you see yourself in any of these descriptions, I want you to know that this is more common than a lot of us realize. A lot of us do or have done some of these things at least some of the time. And even if you started to learn more about what diet culture looks like and how you might start to give it up and let go of it and approach fitness from a different way, it's easy to slip back into those ways if you're not mindful especially, especially if you're a person who genuinely enjoys being active. Being dedicated to working out is seen as a desirable trait in our culture, and it can be healthy to move, to exercise, to work out, to train on a regular basis. And also the important thing to recognize is when you start to cross the line, that can be messy. And it's something that you have to get really honest with yourself about because it's a little bit different for all of us. Too much, too little, too hard is going to take a different form for each and every one of us in a different phase in our life. But start to notice if any of these tendencies are showing up in your life and then you can decide if you want to start to unpack these things either on your own or with a professional. And on that note, I want to talk about professionals now, because if you noticed yourself doing any of these things, I want you to know that you are not the problem here. As I mentioned, you didn't just start doing these things because out of nowhere, just out of your own volition, there are messages 
in our world. There are messages in the fitness industry. There are messages in the media that make us feel that we need to do these sorts of things to be worthy. It's rewarded. It is what is shown. It's sometimes what we think we need to do to be healthy. And that's not necessarily true. So the next thing that I want to get into is how to know if you're in a bad relationship with exercise in regard to the person, the thing, the product, the service that you are using to deliver that workout to you. And so as we start to approach this from a different angle, I want to compare our relationship with exercise to the relationships that we have with others, the romantic relationships that we have with others. So some people are single and loving it, AKA not really into working out and totally cool with that. Others are single and desperately searching to find that perfect match. That's the like, I really want to work out more, but I just can't seem to find anything that I like to do and that I'll stick with. Some people are playing the field, just having fun, going on dates. This is you if you really like moving and you're like, oh, hey, I think I'm going to go try this group fitness class over here and then I'm going to play on this rec volleyball team for fun and I'm going to go ride my bike and I'm going to go for a run and I might dabble in lifting some weights with my friends, just having a good time with it. Others are super committed. These are the people that are maybe into some sort of competitive sport or activity or people that are following a strength training program, working towards a very specific goal or training for some sort of competition or event. And then some of us are just in a bad relationship, but we don't realize it because we've never known anything different. This is a lot of what is shown in the fitness industry. It's the no excuses. It's the before and after photos. It's the meal plans that always find a way to blame you if you don't lose weight. It's the personal trainers who cannot possibly imagine that anyone would have a goal other than fat loss, or they make assumptions about you and your goals based on how you look. It is the coaches, and I'll put that in air quotes, who aren't actually qualified or certified in anything other than selling you shakes and workout videos and trying to get you to join their team. The fitness industry isn't all this. And the more that I've been doing this work, the more I have discovered so many wonderful, like-minded fitness professionals who are here to help you do things differently. And I could go on and on But instead, I'm just going to start to tell you some of the things that you need to look out for when it comes to the people, the services, and the products that we are in relationships with, the ones that we partner up with, aspire to be like, share our hopes and dreams with, and give all our money to. And so as you listen to these things, if you find yourself falling into any of these traps, I want to remind you that you can do so much better. You can do so much better. If you're dealing with a fitness professional, a product or service who is perpetuating any of the things that I'm about to mention, you are settling, break up with them. I don't care how good looking they are, how nice their abs are, or all the things they've promised they'd give you. It's lies. They never really cared about you. Move on. (laughs) Uh, 
Truly though, there are too many good people doing good work in the fitness industry to settle for garbage. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't. And this conversation is probably going to start to sound strangely similar to that guy you were dating back in college when he like cheated on you with your roommate and never washed his sheets, but you just kind of went with it because you didn't know there was anything better out there and that you were worthy of better, but you are. Yeah, this is going to feel sort of like that because your relationship with exercise is something that you're going to be in partnership with for your whole life or as long as you choose to participate in it. So it's important that your workouts and the people who are delivering them to you are people who build you up. They value you as a whole person beyond just how you look. They want you to reach your goals and they want you to invest in your self-care. And they also don't make a big deal out of it if you decide you want to go out with your friends instead of hanging out with them 24-7. They aren't gold diggers who are just using you for your money. So many parallels between relationships with humans and relationships with exercise. So I want to encourage you as you listen to these ones to stop settling for less than you deserve. Again, when I say they here, when I talk about these things, I could be referring to a number of things. This could be your personal trainer, your gym, an influencer you follow, workout videos on YouTube, a Pinterest graphic. It comes in many forms. So here's how to know if it is time to break up with them. Okay, so thing number one, they are not actually qualified. Have you ever taken a moment to look into the qualifications of the person who's giving you fitness advice? It's important to point out, I think, before I go into this, that certifications and letters after your name don't necessarily make somebody a good coach. There's a lot of gatekeeping in the fitness industry and certifications can be really expensive and elitist. All right. There are lots of great coaches who have less formal education, but a wealth of experience. And also that being said, you should probably ask more questions before you start taking advice from that girl from your high school who's selling shakes out of her garage. I saw this the other day. Um, I got so angry. I actually texted my sister about it. It's somebody that we both know who started, she, she did a popular, um, MLM fitness thing. Um, no qualifications, no business talking about anything fitness related at all, but she posted her before and after photos. And it's like, I've done so great with this. I've decided that I'm going to be a coach sign up if you want to join me. And I'm like, this is garbage because this person got like a gajillion likes on this. Meanwhile, I'm over here on the next page. Just be like, check out this really great blog post I wrote about how to get started with strength training. But like, it's not the thing that necessarily gets the attention. So pay attention. And by all means, if you must sign on to work with the person who is posting their before and after photos all over the place, please make sure they're actually more qualified than just having watched a couple of videos about, you know, what to tell people in regard to their workout videos and shakes. Anyway, I digress. Pay attention to the qualifications of the people you're working with. Going along with this, they are doing things out of their scope of practice. So even qualified coaches, people with certifications, sometimes do things out of their scope of practice. So it's important to know who's supposed to be doing what job. 
your personal trainer or your group fitness instructor is not qualified to give you a meal plan. They are not qualified to give you mental health advice to heal your injured knee or help you manage your diabetes. Okay. Following advice from people who are working out of their scope could lead you to getting not the results you wanted as a best case scenario and causing you actual harm at worst case scenario. So you really need a registered dietitian to help you with nutrition advice, a therapist for your mental health, a physical therapist, and or a doctor for those things. The girl on your Facebook feed asking you to Venmo her money for her diet bet is not it. It's not it. And I see this too. Next one. They are using your body to sell you things. This is the AKA train like me and you'll look like me. So this is going to set you up for disappointment in the long run because all bodies are genetically different. We could all eat the same foods and work out in the same way and look drastically, drastically different. So yes, while there is some science behind the way different methods of training and eating may or may not affect your body, it doesn't mean that they're all sustainable or healthy in the long term. And it also doesn't guarantee specifically how it will show up in your unique body with your unique genetics. So if you work out like me, you're going to look like you. I cannot say that enough. And anybody that you work with who is worth working with is likely going to agree with this. The next one is that they rely on before and after photos to get you to buy in. And I will never stop speaking about this. If you know me, you know that I hated these things long before I knew why I hated them. They always just made me feel more icky than inspired. Now, looking back, I realize that it's because they're built upon a message of shame. They put bodies in a hierarchy based on the arbitrary beauty standards of the moment. And they'll make you feel like crap if you're right now looks like somebody else's before. And I don't care what shape and size your body is. You will always, always be able to find a before photo that looks like somebody else's right now. And it's kind of garbage. These sorts of things promote body obsession because you're constantly like scrutinizing the minutia and body checking on a side note. I don't know if anybody else ever feels this way, but sometimes I see people post their before and after photos and the difference is so subtle. I'm like, wait, which one is before and which one is after? Like, are we really that obsessive over the tiny difference between these two bodies? Like, is that even important? In any case, I feel like they promote body obsession and feed into disordered eating and eating disorders. And I will add that a lot of them are flat out lies exaggerated by strategic posing and lighting. And if you don't believe me, like send me a message right now and I will send you a 30 second transformation between two selfies that I take. It's really easy to stage this stuff. I also want to add that nobody is showing what happens after the after, AKA what happens when you're not able to maintain the body type that you forced yourself to become in that after picture. And spoiler alert, if you look at the long-term statistics about how many people are actually able to maintain long-term weight loss over their entire lives, it is a very, very, 
very slim minority. And I'll have to go look up the exact numbers on that. Um, but I can tell you this, it's small and I'm willing to bet that a lot of those people are actually dealing with legit eating disorders, but I digress. Let's talk about the next problematic thing. They use shaming language in their marketing and in their queuing. Sometimes it's right there in the name. You don't have to have a particular type of body to have a beach body. Okay. I don't understand how we're missing this. It's like somebody will be like, oh, it's not about weight loss. It's about health. Buy my beach body booty program. I want to remind you that you don't have to earn your pizza. You don't have to burn off your holiday meal. So many of us, so many of us already have enough body image issues that when we show up somewhere to take a class or to just buy something that we want to use to get ourselves moving and improve that aspects of our lives, this shit is perpetuated. And people who exploit that to try to make money, they suck and it needs to stop. And you can do so much better. So stop giving them your money. Next one, they try to push you into disordered habits that aren't actually healthy. And sometimes it's important to check in with yourself and ask yourself if the things that you're doing in the name of quote unquote health are actually healthy because I'm pretty sure that forcing yourself to work out at five in the morning while you're on vacation or refusing to eat regular cake at your own birthday party or not giving yourself a day off when you're injured are not the healthy choice. Stop following people who make you lose sight of that. I definitely used to do all of those things. It's messed up when people try to promote that and make you feel that it is healthy. It is not. They also find a way to blame you when you don't get the results that you want. It's never the plan's fault. Have you ever noticed that? Like particularly when it comes to things that are really extreme related to food, it's like, oh, well, you don't look like the after photo because you misjudge your portion sizes. You overdid it on your cheat day. Or they just make up some garbage like, well, you just need more time for your metabolism to reset itself into fat burning mode. Except it's not that. And this is one of the reasons why I'm always saying, rather than dismissing excuses, we need to take a closer look because sometimes the things that we are using as quote unquote excuses are things that we need to figure out a solution for. They're barriers that we need to work around. Anybody who doesn't do that and dismisses whatever you say as an excuse or a you problem, as opposed to the idea that maybe something needs to be changed about what they're asking you to do in the first place, it's crap. It's garbage and you deserve better. You deserve somebody that listens to you. You deserve somebody who believes you and you deserve somebody who helps you find alternative solutions when the thing that they're suggesting, the one size fits all plan, doesn't fit for you. Next one, they pressure you into buying things that you don't actually need. 
And a lot of times this isn't coming necessarily from the fitness professional themselves, but it's coming from the higher ups. This happens a lot when you're purchasing fitness services, products, visiting a facility that's part of a larger corporation, like a big box gym, for example, because you'd get better results if you also had the pre-workout and if you also had the recovery drink. And here, just also buy this shit your pants tea because I get a commission on it. But I'm over it because anybody whose fitness plan pressures you into buying products that you didn't ask for probably doesn't care all that much about your health and fitness in the first place. They're probably more interested in making a buck and getting rid of a stockpile of protein bars that they've stashed in their basements. Next one is that they make you do things that don't fit into your life or think that their way is the only way. This is insisting that you have to work out for a certain amount of time or a certain amount of days per week for it to count. That's where we get this idea from. Or discouraging you from doing activities that you love because they want you to stick to their plan exclusively. These are the people that might not consider what you were doing before or any sort of previous history or experiences that you've had and just kind of push you to fit the template that they have. And this could either cause you to do too much too soon, too fast, or it could be not allowing you to reach your full potential. And this is a thing that causes us to often get stuck in the all or nothing mindset or be like on the wagon and off the wagon, because if you don't do it X, Y, Z way, it doesn't count. And so why bother? Okay, here's another one. They rely on giving you workout advice that's not backed in actual science. This is the like, oh, we'll do these four exercises, the best four exercises for toned abs, while failing to recognize the science behind what it actually takes to have visible abdominal definition, because that's not how any of this works. And even supposing that is your goal, and if it is, I would argue that there's probably a little bit of diet culture messaging that's creeping in there, making you feel like you want that. But let's entertain it for a second. Let's suppose that that is what you want. You need a coach who understands exercise science and not necessarily like a group fitness instructor who's genetically wired to look the way that they do or like a fitness influencer and then thinks that everyone else will look the same if they just do the same exercises as they do. So let's just do crunches for six minutes straight and our abs will burn and therefore you will have toned abs. Well, that's not how any of this works. So pay attention to this because it's floating around and a lot of these people have a lot of followers and I get really fired up about this. I'm thinking about one person in particular right now, but I'm not gonna go there. I'm not going to talk shits. I'm going to move on to the next one. These people make you feel like you are wrong or broken if an exercise does not work in your body. So these are the people who say things like, if you can't do this, take a modification. But then they never bother to teach you the modification. So then you're just standing there like, okay, what do I do? And so you like march in place. Or they shrug it off when you tell them that something doesn't feel right for you or causes you pain. So a good coach is gonna take the time to talk through things with you if you ask and help you find a variation that works in your body. 
a good coach is going to understand the purpose behind every exercise they've chosen, everything that they're asking you to do, and will know other ways to accomplish that same goal and be able to teach you other exercise variations that will help you to accomplish the same goal or the same purpose behind the exercise that they've chosen. Another one, they make assumptions about your goals and fitness level based on your appearance. This is the people who meet you and before even asking anything about you are like, so how much weight do you want to lose? When actually what you came to do is train for a big hike that you want to take on your next vacation. This can be a problem when people assume that you've never worked out before because you're in a larger body or they assume that you're maybe lying about your activity level and what you eat. And also, these are the people who assume that because you're thin, that you must know what you're doing, and then they completely overload you and give you things that are not appropriate for your fitness level. All of this sucks. It sucks. And that's not an exhaustive list. I'm sure that I could think of many more. But... If you see any of these qualities in your current fitness program, stop making excuses for them. And I don't mean like no excuses, like eh, no excuses. I mean like stop being like, oh, well, yeah, they kind of suck, but it's fine because it's only $9.99 a month. Or like, oh, but you know, it's okay because they play really good music in class. Listen, You don't have to settle. I don't care if it's free or fun or you've been doing it forever or whatever, because I promise you, I promise you there are trainers and coaches out there who are not like this and would love to have you as a client. Maybe that's me or maybe it's somebody else. In fact, if you're thinking about this right now and you're looking at someone or something that you're giving your money towards being like, oh, this is maybe problematic. I wanna make a switch, but I don't know what to do. Hit me up, I'm serious. Send me an email, jenna at itsjennaj.com. Send me a DM on Instagram, at itsjennaj. I would love to just shower you with colleagues and friends that I know, and I've got a lot of these, who are practicing in wonderful ways. Some of them might be in the city that you live in. Some of them might offer online classes. I know so many people doing so many wonderful things in the fitness industry that it's time to stop giving our money to garbage. You can do so much better, okay? And I want to add something here to this because I think a lot of times the message comes across that if a fitness professional does not promote diet culture, does not use these messages, that they don't know how to create a quote unquote good workout, that it's not going to be fun, that it's going to be too easy, that it's not going to be challenging. And this couldn't be farther from the truth. Just because somebody does not promote fat loss as the highest accomplishment a person could ever achieve doesn't mean that they can't teach you a ton about what it actually means to be healthy and fit and doesn't mean that they cannot help you accomplish some really amazing goals and find a way to have a relationship with exercise that is positive and strong and something that you actually want to stick with. So the next time you're looking for some sort of fitness program, look a little deeper. 
Okay. Do some digging. You deserve better. Stop settling. And I want to add one more thing to this, which is if you find yourself falling into some of these traps, either within your own self patterns that you're noticing that you want to change about your relationship with exercise or things within your current fitness program that you maybe don't want to continue to be a part of, to take part in, my online group coaching program, Tough Love Strength Club, is going to be open for enrollment super soon. And while I can recommend a lot of different fitness professionals that have programs that can teach you a variety of different things about exercise, about strength training, about whatever kind of movement you want to explore. One of the things that I think makes Tough Love Strength Club unique is that we also tackle your relationship with exercise to be able to notice how some of these things are showing up for you within your workouts and how we can begin to number one, eliminate and call out these external forces that are bringing us down and keeping us from having a positive relationship with exercise. And then in turn, how we might be perpetuating these habits within ourselves and how we can start to learn to make different choices and how to approach fitness differently. And I think that's really the key because you could have the best fitness instructor in the world, the best personal trainer, the best program to follow. But if you're not able to work around all the mental fuckery that's going on your head, in your head to get yourself into a place where you can actually do it, then it's really not going to do you any good. So if you want to learn more about that program, I will leave a link in the show notes. You can read up more about it. You can get yourself on the wait list for when enrollment opens at the time I'm recording this in March for an April kickoff, if everything goes according to plan. So again, give that a look. I will leave it in the show notes. That's all I got. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks again for tuning into Tough Cookie Talks. I'm so glad you're here. If you want to learn more about me and how we can work together, visit my website, itsjennaj.com or follow and tag me on Instagram at itsjennaj. I would love to hear from you. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, make sure that you click subscribe and follow along so that you don't miss a single show. Then take a moment and leave me a five-star rating and review so we can help this podcast and this message reach even more people. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.